Hey everyone, greetings and salutations. Welcome to Detoxicity, a podcast by and about men, but for everyone. My name is Mike Joseph. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at It's Mike Joseph and on Twitter at Tis Mike Joseph. Uh, whether this is your first time checking this podcast out or whether you're a regular listener, I am glad that you're here. I hope that you and yours are safe and healthy. Detoxicity is available on just about every podcast platform there is, in addition to, of course, the one that you're listening on. And I hope that however you listen, you take a minute to subscribe, rate, and or leave a comment. There is also a Detox Pod newsletter. You can find the link to sign up at tinyurl.com slash detoxpod. You can even drop me a line old school style at detoxpod at gmail.com. Feel free to make suggestions, provide constructive criticism, and don't hesitate to reach out if you yourself want to be on the podcast or you know someone who'd be a good fit. This episode features a good friend of mine by the name of Bill Bodkin. Bill is a journalist who makes his home near the Jersey Shore. He founded the site PopBreak.com more than 10 years ago, and the site encompasses everything from nightlife reviews to interviews with professional wrestlers to a podcast that has featured yours truly as a guest numerous times. He is a writer, a father, a husband, pop culture fanatic, and is as proud to be from Jersey as I imagine Bruce Springsteen and Bon Jovi must be. Wrestling. A lot of wrestling. Writing for a living and podcasting are all covered during our chat, but we also talk about life in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis, where Bill is trying to balance an exhausting full-time job with being a dutiful husband, father, and son. I'm sure many of y'all can relate. We also talk about going great prematurely, my favorite TV show of all time, Scrubs, the, and I quote, fuck nuts in the White House, and what it's like to have bouts of depression and self-doubt. I got Bill to open up more on this podcast than I generally do in our regular conversations, so sit back and have a listen. Hey everybody, my name is Bill Bodkin. I am a 38-year-old father, husband, journalist, seasonal DJ, and and a professional wrestling enthusiast. <laughs> and I got a lot of gray in my beard, and I'm very happy to be here with my friend Mike. You've got a lot of gray everywhere. I mean, I don't not No, it's it's from it's 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 gray from the neck up, brother. I'm I'm good everywhere else. Okay. I'm surprised. I'm surprised the old the old chest rug has not aged with the rest of me, but it's really weird when my beard grows out now cuz I'm it's I'm growing the corn beard. Mm-hmm. And I had the the white and gray are very much at the bottom so it's almost like i got this face halo it's really weird i was on a i was on a i was on tv recently oh and this isn't like the way i set it up it was like such a stand-up comedy thing well i was on tv recently no i was on tv like i said professional wrestling enthusiast i was on a me and my good buddy kenny we went to a show in philadelphia uh it's called major league wrestling it's on a channel called bean sports and uh, we were front row. We were like third row, hard cam. So that's the camera like facing dead on. And uh, I turned it on and I was showing my wife and my daughter. I'm like, oh, I'm on here. And my wife's like, where are you? I'm just like, look to what you think I look like. She's like, oh, that shiny gray thing over there. Yes. Because <laughs> glasses, my glasses are also reflecting. Ah. So I you, also got in trouble at that You had a show. glow. <laughs> so if there's one episode a buddy of mine saw it where I was wearing a wrestling shirt. It was Major League Wrestling. I was wearing for All Elite Wrestling, which is on TNT. Halfway through the show, I'm loudly... Can I swear on this? You can say whatever the hell you want. All right, so there was this match between this wrestler, Lowkeys, from Brooklyn. He's been doing it for like 20 years. And this former MMA guy, King Mo, who is... the He's terrible. And the match I watched, it was god-awful. And I loudly said, oh my god, that match fucking blew. 
And then I get tapped, tap, tap, tap on my shoulder. It's a guy who works for the company. And I'm like, great. They're going to throw me out. And they're like, hi, can you change your shirt? So I had to change my shirt. So there's one episode where it's literally like wearing one shirt, then there's the other shirt. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So yeah. when, like on, on those websites where people point out inconsistencies in television shows and stuff like that, it, you could potentially be on there like, oh, he was wearing one shirt, and then the next scene he was wearing a different shirt. Yeah, pretty much, man. That That's me. That's that's my... It's so weird when you see yourself on TV. I'm like, look at your big gray face. What are you doing? I don't think I've ever seen myself on TV. I mean, I've seen... Yeah, I guess I'd take that back. I have seen my... Not on, like, broadcast television. I've seen myself on film. Wait, what are you talking about? I mean, I did, like, a skit for uh, our company holiday party. Oh, okay. I thought you meant, like, you were in a movie. No. And I was like, oh, damn, what movie were you in, man? I have not I, yet. I would want to be something debut. really random. Yeah. No, it hasn't happened yet. Actually, I was in a, in a porn movie. No, no, that's not true at all. I mean, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. You you, ha you have a very wild life. Do I, do, do I though? I really don't. My life I mean, is, is pretty boring. Uh, all right. <laughs> I, just, it's your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I know people who have much more colorful lives than oh. I do. So do I. I just like I just tell you I just regale you with so for the last decade of like all my bar stories. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I, it's funny because people say that they're like, "Oh, you have such an interesting life," and I'm like, eh, eh. "It's not all it's that all interesting." It's all perspective because like someone will say that to me, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, whatever." And then you just you have to like give that perspective of like, "Oh, maybe I have done things compared to people that are interesting." I also think that comes from. Well, I guess I'll get serious for a second. Is that comes from, for me, I'll say, lack of self confidence or self worth. Where you're like, I haven't done anything. I but feel yeah, like you've done a fair you'll amount. Regale, you'll regale people with like bar stories and like crazy stuff you've done. And I've done fun stuff, don't get me wrong. But at times, like when someone says that sort of thing, you're like, oh, my life's boring. Like, I haven't done anything. Then you think, but when you think about it, you're like, ah, yeah, I've done some stuff. See, for me, it's like, I don't think my life is boring necessarily, but it's less exciting than some others may think. But then I also, I know people who their life is just go to work, pick up the kids, go home. And I guess by comparison, my life is exciting, but I feel like by comparison, most people's lives are exciting. Just if all you're doing is being kind of a... I don't know what you would call it. Just kind of like someone a who just kind of goes through the motions. Yeah. A character in The Sims. Basically. Basically. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because like, yeah, like even stuff like that, like picking your kid up and doing stuff like, you know, just living the, the grind, if you want to call it. You can make it interesting. Yes, of you course. Can make it, you can make it fun, but just a lot of people don't choose to. Right. Right. So. Oh, that, uh, oh wait. What were, you, what were you about to say? I said that dad juice really kicked in. I'm good now. <laughs> good. I like that. So of all the things that you mentioned that you are, which one is the most important to you? I mean, like, it's a tie between dad, dad and husband. All right. And you have now been married for? Ten years in November. Ten years. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank you. We were We were thinking of doing a honeymoon this year. 
I mean, it's still but, it's still early yeah. in the year. I should add because I don't know when this episode is going to go live. That as we record this, we are currently in the middle of COVID nineteen craziness. We are in the upside down right now, and Oof. I hope that everyone is safe and healthy. But it is a very crazy time at the moment. And how are you dealing with that? Just as a as a husband and a dad, and as someone who has a job and as a human being, like how are you coping with this? Not well. <laughs> I mean, maybe I am doing all right, but it's 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 very tough for me. Like my mom is right now going through chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is very treatable, but it's also very frightening because you know I can't go down there because I'm type two diabetic, so I'm a slightly higher risk if if COVID nineteen hits me. So. I can't really be there for her. I can't see her. I can't help her out. And it's hitting her hard. And so that's tough. And then you got to worry about like, oh, she can get a ride from her friend. Oh, that's tough. You got to worry about that. Uh, As a father and husband, it's just like you have to like I have a very unrelenting job. And so and it's not fun. So I have to do that by bound, but also it's like when you have a five-year-old who's kind of who is kind of displaced from her routine of going to school every day, uh, preschool every day, and loving it and thriving in it. You kind of have to try and be that replacement teacher as well as being a dad and as well as being like you're the best friend and a play and a play playmate. But also with my job, I have a tech support line that I have to answer constantly. So it's like, oh, dad, play with me. Okay, cool. Oh, hi, Mrs. Murphy. No, you do have to turn the TV on for it to work. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's, those are the easy calls. And then, you know, writing proposals, but also like covering for my wife when she's, you know, taking, it's a weird way to say it, but when she has to work because she's an attorney, it's a little slower for her, but she still has conferences and meetings she's got to do. And then also like trying to balance out just being a human being and writing and doing stuff. And speaking of which, here comes the light of my life walking into my uh, bedroom. She's got my headphones in and is <laughs> watching an iPad right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's it's tough, especially when you're like, oh, I can't play with you right now because I have to help this old lady who, who's doing stuff. And you feel like a terrible parent sometimes because you can't be there and you feel like you're not teaching them enough. And uh, it's really stressful, man. And I would imagine as someone who is not a parent, it's it's extra difficult because kids don't understand. And you don't want to, it's like, it's extra difficult because you read these articles and stuff like that, where it's like, you, you can't be overly stressed. You can't like, you don't want to like project that onto them. Sure. So, and I'm a very stressed person (laughs) uh, right now. So it's like I can't project that onto my mom because that only makes her feel worse. I can't project that onto my daughter because it'll make her feel worse. And I feel like at times I can't really project that to my wife because she's dealing with a lot of stress. So it's like a lot of it is like bottled up. That's not and good. I, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But it's like stuff you kind of have to deal with and navigate through. To a degree. Luckily my wife – I, yeah, but I have a, a wife who's very understanding and we, we do talk a lot of stuff out, but it's still like, it's very tough because I'm the only person there for my mom too. There's no other family or relative alive or local. Right, you're an, so, you're an only child? I'm an only child. Okay. And the closest family I have is a cousin in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's so, so far I mean, away. 
that's super super far and i have like you know friends who are like oh come help you but i mean listen they got families they got they got to they got to preserve too so it's it's very much you have to keep a lot in check and right now just because of as i gesture to the world it's hard to keep things in check because you yourself are just so stressed out because like every day stuff happens and you're like oh my god like you know three three to four weeks ago i was like oh man i, I can't wait to go see wrestling in newark on the 25th and now i'm just like oh my god a hundred thousand people might die in this country right and like two even six days ago we weren't talking about that so it's it's like the rapid changing of everything and you're you're literally trying to be a constant for people in a world that is just spitting out of control. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. So how are you coping? What are you doing to help yourself cope? Be positive. Uh, well, there was a lot of stress eating. And I, I <laughs> You're curbed... diabetic. Yeah I, yeah, I haven't forgotten that. But I've curbed that a lot. I've actually lost weight. Good. Um, yeah, um, drinking. But I've also calmed down on that, too. Um, just talking it out, really. Just really having conversations like this actually help a lot. Good. And I think that's something I learned through being clinically depressed and suppressing a lot of that for most of 2019 until I kind of crumbled on the inside and then I went to therapy. And finding out that talking things out really does help. And that you're not a burden to people and you could talk to your friends and family about stuff. Which is what I felt. And so being able to talk everything out, like stuff, like I said, like stuff like this really helps. And, uh, you know, just taking a walk, honestly. You'd be surprised how much throwing your earbuds in, listen to anything or nothing. And walking around your neighborhood, which for me, luckily, is usually quiet. So there's no one to bump into. Mm -hmm. uh, really helps clear the mind. So you're mentioning that 2019 was a really stressful year for you and you, you felt yeah. depression coming on. Like, was this the first time you really felt that way or was, cause I, the way I see depression is sort of through the way I've experienced it, which mm -hmm. is that I've pretty much always been depressed. I think I, Going through my mental Rolodex, I mental was suffering. Mental Rolodex. Yeah, yeah. So an English degree will get you. <laughs> <laughs> that and using the word cavalcade a lot. I don't um, know that I've ever used that word, Bill. I try to use it all the time. I got to uh, drop that in my vocabulary. Uh, it just means like a group of something. Oh, I know what it means. I've just never had the, the reason <laughs> I use it all the time and I can't even define it for you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it works when I use it. So basically, I had I, it started for me probably back in 2011 when my dad passed away. And I had like uh, a lot of PTSD because I was in the room with him. Mm -hmm. Kind of had to talk him down in his final moments because he was fighting to keep going. And I had to be like, hey, I'm going to take care of everything. Everything's going to be okay. You, you don't have to suffer anymore. It's, it's all right. I got it. Right. And then, yeah, I can, as I replay the movie in my mind, yeah, he, he, he passed. And so that, well, that just did me in. <laughs> like that, that'll just mess with a kid. Sure. And, and so, yeah, and I, I had that and I was taking medicine for it. And that's a long story, but I was definitely depressed. And then I think I've always kind of dealt with it 
in some form or another over the last since 2011. Uh, a lot of it's job based, you know, when you constantly losing, I've probably worked for about 15 to 20 companies since 2013, like freelance full time free, free, you know, and, uh, but it really hit me last year, like the worst has ever been. Usually I can talk myself out of it. I can be like, okay, logically think about what's happening here and logically think what your thoughts are. Okay. You feel this way. Do you really believe that? And then you're, when I think about it, I'm like, no, I don't believe that. Like, I don't believe, like, I'm worthless or I suck or I don't deserve happiness or anything like that. And then I was, I was good. But last year, I just couldn't shake it. Last year, I got to a point where it was just kind of like, you know, if I just, like, packed my gear up, put it in my Jeep and just drove off and just, like, hey, everybody, I'm just going to go live on a beach somewhere. You just forget I existed. My wife can find somebody better. My you know, find a better husband and father. And then like, you know, my friends don't need me. No one needs me. You know, I'll just go be a beach bum somewhere and then live out my days. You know, no one will miss me. It's kind of like a, it's a wonderful life type deal, except less not being born type deal. Right. And I couldn't shake that and nothing made me happy. Like the amount of drinking I was doing during that time, just to be somewhat level was sad and I just I couldn't enjoy one thing there was nothing I could enjoy so that's why I knew I like I just had to there was something really wrong with me and I had to go talk to somebody and through talking about it I was initially with my wife and initially with close friends and you were one of them and it it helped a lot and I think that's a problem a lot of us have out there and the problem I had is that we don't want to talk about anything because we feel like we're a burden and that's what I felt like. Oh, I'm just going to burn in everyone with the same bullshit. I've always, you know, talked talk to people about it. I can't add anything to a conversation without being miserable. So what's, 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 my, what's the point of talking about it? But the point of talking about it is it gets, gets it out in the open and people can give you perspective. So, and right. that's, what ha- and that's what happened. And that's like, like I said, like stuff like this, that's like kind of like one of the coping mechanisms is just don't, don't shut up about it. Don't shut it in. Like, like I have to keep the brave face for t- on two fronts. There are other people I can go to who are going through this. We can empathize, sympathize, and, like, help each other out through stuff like this. And that's right. super important. Yeah, I, I think the helping each other out thing is the most important because it's one thing for people to talk to each other when they're both going through a similar thing. But just sort of speaking objectively – if someone that I care about is going through something, I'm going to want to be there for that person, whether I've gone through it or not. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's something like, I didn't think like I didn't want to put people through, you know what I mean? Didn't want to bring down their day, but I think like you just, you just, because you just, you had this thought of just like, I, Oh, I'm not worth it. Instead of realizing, no, no, people do care about you. They do love you. And they, they do want to hear this stuff. And it's not an inconvenience. This is this is part of what you know the the friendship contract is, man. Like we're we're in it for good and bad. Yeah. Like if we were just in it for good, we're, we're shitty friends. Right. And, and this there is are like people like that. Serious, this is the most you. serious you and I have ever been on a podcast. Ever. This is usually we talk about not serious stuff. Just dicks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean this is this is super important stuff. Oh, yeah. No. And I, I joke about it just because I just thought about it. I'm like, Mike and I have never been this serious on a podcast. In real life, we have. Yes, in real life, we have. Yeah. 
but it, it's the thing. It's like, and that's like, even though this time we're living in is so, and I hope this is like the only time we're going through this. Yeah, you know, me too. Like it's it's going to be a unique moment in history. It the general r- rules still apply of of friendship and not internalizing so much to the point where you damage yourself. That's honestly what's been saving me these last couple of weeks is knowing that I can pick up the phone or get on a computer and email or text somebody and just be like, oh, hey, what's up? And not even that I felt, I mean, I've certainly had pretty bad anxiety these last couple of weeks, but I haven't had too many moments of feeling completely hopeless. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Hopeless, I don't think is where I felt just like. I feel helpless. Yes, helpless and confused. Mm-hmm. It's just like, because it's like everywhere you turn, it's just like, but what am I dealing with? And I'm not going to get political, but like you, you turn on the news. You can totally get political. You turn the motherfucker on who runs the country and like you just sit there and you just want to like, I, 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 there was a point last week I watched one of his press conferences where I got so much anxiety. I poured myself and I don't, I have a rule where I don't drink at home before 10 o'clock. That's a good rule. I, I broke that rule. And my wife's like, that bad, that press, because she was, I think she was finished in Sophie's bath, and she's just like, was it that bad? I was like, it was it was that bad. It was that, I said it was that bad, and she's like, I, I can't watch it then. You know, like, she knew, like, that it was that bad that, like, for me to break that rule, because, I mean, there's a difference between I go out and have, like, a drink at dinner, but, like, when I'm at home, it's just, like, not before 10. Right. I think and that's so, a good rule to have. Yeah, especially when you have a kid. Like, yeah. it's, I'll, I'll have some barbecue, and then... <laughs> If I if I'm if I'm cooking meats, guys, just the the, the drinks are going to be flowing, and that's why my my cooking is always so good, and that's what people tell me, not my own personal opinion. And it's just like <laughs> it's like yeah, it's just like I I was so stressed. I'm like shit. I need a I need a drink. I get that. I had this weird stress response, and I get it when I hear him talk, which is why I choose to not hear him talk. Where like oh, yeah. my body just kind of seizes up almost. Like it's almost like a like when you have to throw up. It's yeah. like you have to figure out a way to be a parent, but also because this is such a weird, stressful time, make your kid happy. Right. And you have to walk that fine line of being like, I don't want to spoil her. But I also don't want to just be like a dick. You know, well, you don't want to be a neglectful but... parent. Yeah, it, it, and you it's, also it's, don't want to be an asshole that your kid hates twelve years from now. Exactly. So it's it's just very weird trying to walk that line, and it's like you don't know because here's the thing about here's the here's the thing about being a parent. You're gonna fuck your kid up no matter what, because like like no matter what, like in some way, one way or the other, like there's gonna be something they have that will be a quirk, an idiosyncrasy, a fear or whatever, because you've instilled in them either directly or indirectly. Well, no parent's perfect. Yeah. So they're human. So, I mean, that's the thing. So it's weird being a parent. But yeah, with with Fucknuts, who who I didn't vote for, was... I'd be friends with you. You wouldn't be on this podcast if you did. I I don't think I should... I, I Like, if I did, I would be so fine with you finding me and then just taking my balls like seriously and do like, what with them 
you could throw them in the fucking ocean because I don't deserve them (laughs) (laughs) if I did that. But it's like, I guess coming from a journalism background, like, it's just like, you always want to hear both sides of the story, like not like giving one side credence, but you're like, you want to hear information. So you're like, okay, I need, this is the, he's disseminating information from me from the government. Okay. Let me listen to this. I don't, I'm probably not going to agree with anything he said. Probably my blood pressure is going to go through the roof. But in there somewhere is a fact I need. Maybe. So, well, you you wait wait for Fauci to talk and you get a fuck. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, okay, we're sending these ventilators here. We're doing this, this. That stuff, He, I mean, you're hoping these numbers are correct. And I do listen to, you know, my governor. I live in New Jersey, Phil Murphy. You know, I listen to his stuff every day just so I'm informed, just so I know what's going on. Sure. And it's tough because you don't want to listen to it because it's just especially from your the president it's just like half it's 90% fucking horse shit where he's talking about took the my pillow guy comes on and talks about how we need Jesus in our life right and like i'm like oh i you know listen i attend services every sunday that has nothing to do with anything right now right <laughs> like, yeah you know it's just like and so it, that that makes things worse like we don't have a good leader to keep us on the level and that's why I mean, you're in New York. That's why everyone loves Big Daddy Cuomo. Yeah. Because everyone calls him a daddy now. Yeah, and I don't get. Is, uh, I, I don't mean, get why people are calling him that. Because I don't get that. I don't get the new terminology of that. I mean, but, are they calling him Daddy like Dad, Daddy, or are they calling him Daddy like Daddy, Dad, Daddy? Number. I think a lot of number two. Yeah, that's what I think it is too. Yeah. Some people call we call him a zaddy, and mm-hmm. I don't get what that means. A zaddy. But, so, all right. We're going to Urban Dictionary Zaddy for a minute, because I, I feel like... I mean, I, I could get the context clues. Yes. Yes. Zaddy is, 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 you know, an attractive older man. All right. Like, Michael <laughs> McDonald is, is, is Zaddy. I mean, I've heard that. I've heard that from you before. Yeah, you know. Not in so many words. Yeah. Right. But it, yeah, so it's, but that's why people listen to him though. Besides the, you know, Urban Dictionary sexual connotations is, although did you see the photo that people are kind of putting around there? I guess it was cold in the, um. Oh, and he had the, the hard nips. Yeah. it looks like he has nipple piercings. Yeah. I was just like, well, whatever gets us through the day. Yeah. We, we works, need, whatever we works. need something. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, but people listen to him, obviously, besides the potential nip piercings, is well, the fact he, he's authoritative he's, and inte- and comes across as intelligent. And empathetic. He's worried about his mom. And that's like, I can get behind that. And like, let me divert for one second from divert this. Divert as much as you want, Bill. Is one in the current era of professional wrestling, which no one knows but oh, me. Oh, Lord. Uh, there are certain people who are now super popular because people can relate to them on a personal level. There is a personal connection with them. There's an emotional connection with them. And that's what, and people will support them, buy tickets to see them, buy merch from them, because they have a connection to them. There's a, a story people can get behind. And this is not just one person, this is other, it's people through listening to podcasts or interviews or whatever. People are like, oh, I can relate to them. For instance, there's this guy just mentioned all elite wrestling. It's on TNT on Wednesdays. One of the main guys there is Cody Rhodes. His dad was a wrestler, Dusty Rhodes. I remember Why? Dusty Rhodes from when I was a kid. So Dusty Rhodes passed away. Okay. Dust- so Cody. Recently? Was- 
uh, a few years ago. Okay. So Cody was roughly, I think, my age when his dad died. His dad was Dusty was the same age as my dad when he passed, mm-hmm. and they had a very similar. I was listening to this podcast he did. He had a very similar relationship with his dad, who was an older dad with a young son. Like I did, I had an older dad when I was a young kid. How old was your dad when you were born? My dad turned 40 when I was born. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so he, yeah, so he was, everyone thought he was, both my parents, my mom turned 39, so my dad, you know, white hair, balding. My mom, she had like blondish hair, but everyone thought my parents were my grandparents. Got it. And so, and I think, so we had similar upbringings like that. Like my dad, I didn't have any friends growing up. And my dad was my best friend and much like his dad was his best friend. So I was like, wow, I can relate to that guy. I'm going to follow that guy where he goes. I'm going to buy merch from him. I will support what he, his brand, you know what I mean? Because I have, like, I can connect to this guy and that's circling back. That's why people get with Cuomo because it's just like, you're a dude, you're a person, you're, you're worried about your mom. You know, how many other people worry about their moms? We can't relate to fuck nuts in the, in the, in the, the, the White House. It's a level of humanity that, yeah. that I don't think that person is very capable of. It's why people are related to Obama. You know, they Obama, saw his relationship yeah. with Michelle and all this, and they were like, okay, he's a regular guy, but he's also smart enough to lead a country. So he's not just a regular guy, but he's an elevated level of person that still can relate to Joe and Jill Average. You know what I'm saying? The fact you saw him have a beer at a Chicago Bulls game, the fact you saw that dude make a Spotify playlist, you're like, oh, yeah, he's a guy. Right. Like, and you believe that, okay, maybe an assistant made that playlist for him. But yeah, he, I don't know about that. I feel but, like yeah, exactly. Now. But exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, maybe maybe that's the truth to it. But, like, I believe he did it. Yeah. I believe he put Philadelphia's Loco Connie on there. They're pretty dope. <laughs> and, like, you know that's that's cool, and that's and that, that's I think what we need during this time. I guess, and I guess it goes back to the other part of it, it was like empathy and relatability and communication is so important, right? Especially in today's today's world. All right. I, I want to go back to something you said just a couple minutes ago because you just kind of threw me for a loop. That's what I try. I try to do, man. <laughs> you had, you're such a gregarious person. You didn't have friends growing up. No, no, I didn't. Why? Well, I mean, only child, so no brothers or sisters. I lived in a, I lived in a neighborhood that was, you know, very stereotypical suburban. But like, I was always the kid who was like, I guess because I was an only child, I was so desperate for friends that I would be like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. I'd be so like, hey, you're my friend, you know. And I was always the kid who was like so desperate for things that people kind of took 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 me for granted so when someone cooler came around to hang out with i could go take the piss but if they had nothing better to do we'll hang out with bill and that's just how it was man and i so it was a combination of just like i wasn't quote unquote cool and also like when i had got a friend i like so desperately tried to cling to them that i like hold on to them that they were probably like ads ah, too much and I, I... yeah but and i didn't make my 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 person I consider my brother, Vic. You know, I've known him for twenty five years. We didn't start out as friends, but you know, we've probably by eighth grade. He was like my first true, honest to god friend. 
And now I have a million friends, and my wife hates it. <laughs> She's she, like, you know everyone everywhere. I'm like, this is what I do, man. That so doesn't jive with my... with the way I see you. Well, I mean, like, it, it's like... I think I, I changed as a person because it's just like when I grew up, I would, like I said, I would just was like a plenty of my men. It was just like, I will love you and I'll pet you and I'll call you George, like the Looney Tunes character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then I was just like, all right, I just have to be like, I chill out a little bit and just be myself and not like throw myself at people and just like relax and just be funny. And I used to like, I, I, in the college, like I used to do this thing where, and I, I had a guy when I, in the newspaper I worked at in school took me aside one day he's like listen man he's like you're funny as hell and you're you're naturally a good dude but he's like you try so fucking hard to make people laugh and people to like he's like just stop everyone likes you he's like just stop and then i realized i'm like okay you know just like i just kind of learned how to just be more okay with myself in public and how to deal with how to not deal with but like relate to people it's really interesting yeah man yeah, I mean, and yeah, it was, you know, it took a long time. And that's why I, I kind of had a rough transition to college because I made all my core group of friends who are still my core group of friends, like by my junior year of high school. Okay. And then so when I went to college. None of them went to the same college as me. So I'm like, fuck. But you, <laughs> didn't, you didn't go like far away. You went to Rutgers, right? Yeah, but my best friend, he went to Fordham. So he was in the city and the two, two, three of the other guys were still in high school. Right. So it was totally different worlds. And then when they all graduated, one guy went to Dartmouth, one guy went to BC, and one guy went to one guy did the young the 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 baby face of the group. He went to Rutgers, but he was like three years behind me. Hmm. So yeah, but by that time I had like you know acclimated to a new friend group and like you know kind of made my way around. And it turned out I worked with Brian Fallon at that time, which I totally forgot. <laughs> From Gaslight. Yeah, I interviewed him, and he we were talking. I never ran the interview because the audio was garbage. And I was mentioning that we worked, I worked at a newspaper and I worked with the Gaslight's drummer, Benny, mm-hmm. and Benny Horowitz. And he was just like, oh, dude, he's like, I remember you. He's like, you had the crooked goatee and in classes. And oh, I'm like, shit. Yeah, my goatee. That's why I have a beard, because my gro- goatee was always fucking like, one side was way up, one side was way down. Bro, how did, who taught you how to shave? <sighs> I mean, I wear glasses. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I mean, like, I had a clean face. It's just like, I never could, I just it just never was even and i also might have been projecting at that point but he remembered who i was and then i thought about it i was like oh shit that's right he was the he was the guy with the blonde hair and blah 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 and i'm like i totally remember this guy now yeah so me and brian found going back like babies and pacifiers god damn he's probably older than me though but yeah we we he was he was still uh he he definitely looks younger than me i'll say that (laughs) well i mean again you've got the premature gray happening so, Which I started when I was uh, 14? Yeah, 14. What? For real? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so my... my oh, yeah, Brian is two years older than me. I started... Yeah, I was 14. My mom... I got it from my mom's side. I got 16, my mom was, and my grandmother was 12 or 11 when she started. Wow. Yeah, I think that was stress-related, but... Yeah, me, it was like 14, so I was always the guy with the gray hair, and teachers would point it out. Oh, you have gray hair? I'm like, yeah, thanks. And then that became my uh, calling card. Yeah, so, like how does that go over when you're a teenager? And- well, it goes over well with girls. Does it? Yeah, it really does. Uh, and- Are you being sarcastic? Because I don't see like 16, 17-year-old girls being like, oh, that guy with the gray hair is hot. 
No, they liked no, 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 okay. They liked the gray hair. They didn't like anything below the gray hair. <laughs> so they thought the gray hair was cute, like yeah, cute like that, a puppy. Yes, exactly. You know, so when I got older, it was always something that caught people's attention. Yeah, no, I was never an object of anyone's desire ever, See, especially when I got. You don't know that. Well, I mean, yeah, there was a few, and I just, I mean, those weren't exactly great, but uh, bad relationships. But no, then I got really heavy. I was like two fifty. Yeah, and then so gray hair was all I had going for me. And that and I could rest a soda can on my stomach when I drove. So that's the talent. Anyway. It is a talent. It's also terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, no, so my gray hair. Now it's just, I haven't had a haircut in three months. So well, it's also, it's, it's age appropriate. Yeah, it's age appropriate now. And I'm going to have really high, high, long hair by the time this whole thing blows over. Well, you, you grow in the quarantine do out. And you've got, you've got like fuzzy hair. Like you, you know, relish in your full head oh, of I hair. Oh, I, I do every day. Everyone, For those of every us male, who, who look like male. LeBron James right now. Hey, man, listen. <laughs> if you have to compare yourself to LeBron James, I mean, just go for it. <laughs> I'd rather have his basketball skills and not his hairline. I'd just rather have his money. Well, yeah, that too. His height, yeah. his money, his basketball skills. I have his hairline. That's about it. Be his role in Space Jam too. <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah. But now my yeah my gray hair is my calling card. But yeah, it's that's that was my thing, man. I was just like going back to like when I was a kid. It's just like yeah. So that's I never really had any friends, and that's why I am very, very, I very much care for all my friends and and people I work with. Uh, not at my full time job, I I don't really care. <laughs> I'll, I'll delete. I'll cut that out. Yeah, I mean whatever. I don't care. <laughs> and, and, but like, um, I run a site called thepopbreak.com, and yeah. Uh, and uh, I've, you know, for the last 10 years, I mean, I have people I consider my kids, you know, they're like 30 now, but like, you know, kids. yeah, like I've seen them grow up and, uh, you know, I always want to check in on them and care for them and make sure they're doing okay. I've had a lot of long conversations, a lot of late nights talking with people, just trying to sort things out, man. And right this past year and a half has been, or, well, 2019 into 2020 for a lot of people it has been really rough. So, been. so, so it's. Do you find yourself, I do this sometimes, so maybe I'm projecting a little bit. Do you find yourself getting engrossed in trying to help other people to kind of forget about your own shit? No. No, I feel like it's like kind of like, I feel like, not to forget, but it's like my shit doesn't matter. That okay. was what it used to be. It's like, I don't matter. Like, I, I should help other people. And it's just because that's something I, I, I've just been, it's always something I wanted, yeah, I've always done. And it's just like, not patting myself on the back, but it's just like, hey, if someone needs your help, you know, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You got to drop, you got to drop your shit and you got to help them. And so that's, so, I mean, I've helped people through some of the lowest moments of my life. And I never felt like letting them know what I was going through because it's like, that's not going to help them. Sure. But did you have resources to help you get through that stuff while well, you were helping other people get through their stuff? No, I do now. But yeah. like at, at the time, no, I didn't. Yeah. But I think one of the things I did was, and it's something is that I think is the greatest, not the greatest thing. It's like one thing I'm, I, I, I'm very proud that I can do for people as someone who's like, I, like I said, I lost my dad. Nine, it could be nine years in July. 
that when someone loses a parent or someone very close to them, I, I want to reach out to people to be like, hey, listen, I, I will be I am here for you and I will give you an honest answer of what's going to happen over the next year. Mm-hmm. Like, not like, oh, everything's going to be fine. Like, it's fucking not, you know? And, like, I want to tell people just like, hey, listen, like, things will get better, but they they do suck on these certain dates. And, like, I'm here to talk about it if you need it. Like, you know, and it's like, you know, and, and, and like, help people process that. Because when my dad died, I had a, I used to work in the bar industry. I used to cover it for a magazine. And I had these guys, there was a bar I used to go to all the time because they were right down the, the block from my apartment. It was uh, Edgar's Irish Pub, but they changed their name. If you're in Everton Seeger, Manasquan or Seeger, New Jersey, go to Reef and Barrel. They're great. Plug, plug. Plug, plug. And I think he said butt plug, and I'm like, that's weird. Nope. <laughs> Wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, never mind. It's I. He called me, and he said, hey, man, he's like, you know, I know we've we've hung out, we drank and stuff like that, but we're not like close friends. But he's like, listen, I'm going to tell you this. And so he told me this whole story out of the blue about how he lost his dad and how his dad had been really sick and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like it really helped to know other people were there. Yeah. And, and he just kind of laid out this whole thing like, hey, man, like Christmas is going to that first Christmas is going to suck. That first birthday is going to suck, you know certain th- and he's like you know throughout your years certain things will pop up out of nowhere and they're gonna suck and they're gonna cry but he and you're gonna cry probably but at the same time he's like try not just to think of it as a sad moment think of it as uh, trying to remember the good in the moment too sure and that's what i i, I want to try and help people through and, and i'm not saying i'm successful with it but just let them know just like hey you know this is happening like i've been here and i can i'm a resource for you and that's something I'm very happy to do for anyone. And, you know, it's something I feel like it's just needed because it's like you, when you lose a parent and when, the, the, and maybe they're not that old or maybe when you're still forming, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You get very rudderless. And so to have someone be like, Hey, this isn't like going to fix your problem, but this is definitely going to help steady you a bit. You know what I mean? Well, you need, you need support. Yeah. And that support isn't necessarily going to come from places that you expect it to come from. And also, you're not necessarily in the moment when you lose somebody, particularly if it's a sudden thing, you're not even maybe thinking in the right space to to reach out for support. No, no, because if you, you don't even know how to, at least I didn't. And you don't. And a lot of times, like at the time, I didn't really know anyone who had lost anyone Mm. like that and then eventually you do find out later from other people you meet in life and as you get older this happens but you know i was 20 i had just turned 29 so it was just like everyone i knew still had both their parents right so it was it was very unusual so you know and except from my one friend russ he had lost his dad a few years before that and he oh you know he obviously he was a big help too and so but it was like it was very rare. So, you know, you're just trying to put it out there for people to be like, hey, man, I'm here to support you. I'm not going to. But I think it's also good when you don't sugarcoat it and you're just like, listen, because I think sugarcoating stuff just makes it worse because, hey, you said everything be fine and I feel like garbage. Yeah, you don't want to sitcom anything. Oh, God. And sitcoms are terrible most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. And, um, 
I'm always happy to do that to help people out. Yeah, it's an so, inter- interesting thing for me just because I don't have the typical parental like relationships to totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, both my, you know, my grandmother passed away in September I know, and man. that felt like losing both my parents because my grandmother and my grandfather were my parents more so than my actual mother and father were. So like, I remember after she passed away, I was like, so is this what it feels like to have lost both your parents? You know, I think that's as close as it's going to get for me. Yeah, and 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 everyone has that different experience too, and you know, for me, and like even even today, like I said, it's nine years, but like, man, would I love to tap into that font of wisdom at any point, you know, as especially as becoming a dad, right. like you're like, hey, bro, I could really use some advice right, right now, because my dad was like the most with me, he was the most patient dude in the world. And I'm just like, how did you do it? Because <laughs> you know, I, I remember him just like, he would be dog tired and he would still make all the time in the world for me. And that's when I look at it, I'm like, I am not like this. This sucks. Like, I need to be more like this, you know, which again feeds into depression it, and stuff. It but, takes it, but a it's a special same... kind of person, man. There's, yeah. there's not everybody's got the, and, you know, who knows what anybody's dealing with, you know, on their own. And he was someone who dealt with major, major anxiety and depression issues, too. Right. But, like, that never manifested itself around me until I was much older. Mm. And I, like, he and I unpacked all that stuff well before he passed. So I I got the reasons for that. Those were tough times. But, you know, when I was growing up, man, he was like, yeah, I was, you know, the whole thing. Like, anytime I needed him, he was there. So it's just like, hey, How'd you do that, man? Right. You know, so you, you miss that. So you know, and it never goes away. You know, there are still, there are certain days like my daughter caught me crying in church one day, and she said to me, "She's like, do you miss your dad?" And I was like, "Yeah, I do." And she's like, "I'm sorry," and she gave me a hug, and I'm just like, "Please don't make me cry more." Oh, dude, just fucking <laughs> yeah. cry. No, because it, no, because I'm not in public. I'm just like I'd rather not weep in public. You know what I mean? So it's just like at home is fine. It's just like a out in public in the middle of church. I'm like, I'd rather not. Right. Because if I break down, I'm just back up. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's large. Oh, really? Are you an ugly crier? Oh, I am. I am a full body cry, man. Really? Like I'll, like, I'll cry. Like, if I, oh, if I get into it, watch out. It's a full, it's a full drunken Irishman cry. And I don't even have to drink to do that. But it's like, <laughs> but it's like, no, I could cry like normally just a little bit. Tears go down. But man, if I get in that, if I get that momentum like Juggernaut from X Men, I'm like doubled over on the ground. Uh, that's not funny, but I, I I get it. I can laugh about it. I'm fine. Right. But I mean, yeah, it happens, dude. You know, and I'm not I'm not one of these people who's afraid to admit like, yeah, I I, I cry. It's... No, there's no shame in it. No, so many people think there is though. See, man. I just... have an issue. If someone is ever like, I don't cry, then I'm like, homie, you got problems. Well, it's just like if I don't cry at a movie, like, okay, cool, you don't cry at movies, you cry at life. I mean, that makes sense, you know what I mean? I will cry during a good, like, you know, like, like, uh, highlight montage, like, that's got a real sweeping score to it. Like, if it's, like, sports or something like that, sometimes I'll be like, I'll be like, son of a bitch, got me again. Wow. <laughs> See, was, like, were you the person that I was talking to recently about Scrubs? 
No, I've never really watched too much of Scrubs. It's, no, you were no, no, no. You you were telling me about yes, Scrubs. Yes. And they just announced their podcast too. Yes, I listened to the first one today. Was it good? It's very good. I want to have a relationship with somebody like the type of relationship that they have. You want to have a relationship with Zach Braff, is what you're saying? No, I don't want to. I mean, I'd love to be friends with Zach Braff and Donald Faison, but they have such like a good. They're so like they have such like they are the prototypical bromance. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like in real on the show and in real life. Oh yeah. You know they've got the relationship that everybody thought like Obama and Biden had. Yeah, but uh, there's a, there's an episode there's two episodes of Scrubs that will definitely make the waterworks explode. And I I, I won't give them away, but there's definitely one I I've definitely ugly cried during episodes of Scrubs before. Oh, there was something recently. Oh, what the fuck was I watching? Yeah, there was something recently where I could not just hold back. I was just like, shit. I was just like, it's just coming down. I also can't watch people in hospitals. Like, everyone's like, you should watch The Big Sick. I'm like, you could shut your mouth. What's right? The Big Sick? It's with Camille Nagiani and um, like Ray Romano's in it, Holly Hunter. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, it's about, it's like the the, fix, the movie version of his real life relationship with Emily V. Gordon, his, I believe it's his wife. When they first started dating, she was in the hospital for a long time. She was in the hospital. And I was just like, yeah, no, been in the hospital for the big sick, and you can just go fuck yourself. I'm yeah. not going to watch that. Yeah. Although we did interview the entire cast on the Pop Break Duck. <laughs> Blood plug. Uh, of course. Butt plug. There you go. I, yeah. I No, well, that's that's in the drawer right now. We won't bring that out. I believe you, actually. I just, I'm not lying. There is a butt plug in a drawer somewhere. Nice. You know, you know, I it would be funny if if it's just like a plug, shaped like a butt that you, you charge your phone. <laughs> yeah, with. you charge your phone up. Yeah. That'd be really good. See, this is what we normally. Podcast, yes, this is so. what we normally do on podcasts. So, make fun of Mike for being older than me by five years. Yeah, it's five fucking years, dude. Still older than me. You, you've got more gray than I do. Yeah, yeah, I also got more hair than you. That is absolutely fair. Although, I, my buddy Rob, who turned 40 last year, apparently now has gray pubes. And like I said, nothing nothing, nothing south of the old chinsky. Yeah, it's my, my gray hair is chinning up. So. Yeah, man, listen, if it, if it goes, if it goes uh, below the Mason-Dixon, so be it. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. We have the benefit, the pleasure of getting old. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'll I, take it. Yeah. Still weird. I mean, we're just it, getting older. It is weird. I still because I, I like I don't know if you get this. When I'm around younger people than me, I feel like a fucking grandpa. Yeah. But when I'm around people who are even slightly older than me, I feel like I'm 16. Wait, how young? Oh, I feel like I am like, like how much younger than? No, they I'm are saying like? how much younger than you do these people have to be to make you get like the grandpa feels. Oh, like I'm talking their 20s. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. like like people on my site, like people who are like ten years younger than me and stuff. I'm just like when they start talking about certain things, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I was like fifteen when this happened. Like when I talk to you. It's just like you're like, I was driving when the Gulf War happened. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> I was not. Well, close to it. But it's like, you know, you talk to some people who are just like they're still like I have people who work for me who are still in college. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you were born in two thousand. Jesus. You know, it's just like but like anyone who's even a little older than me, 
like I still feel like a kid. I get I talk. that. Like I feel I feel like I'm just a noob, you know. <laughs> I'm just the rookie around here. You know, you still feel like that fresh out of college kid. That's how I get a lot of times. Or if people know more than me, I still feel like I'm like just graduated college. I'm like, <laughs> hey, do you guys wear wide leg jeans still? <laughs> I do. There's a way that some people carry themselves. Sometimes people that are older than you carry themselves, which sort of makes you feel like you have to sort of, that puts you back into that, what's the word I'm looking for? Makes you feel like you're sort of younger than them or sort of like answering to them or something like that. Mm. Most people, when they see me, how I carry myself, just think I'm caring. I could sell them pot at any time. Because <laughs> you're a shaggy haired dude with a beard who wears flip flops all the time. And listens to jam bands and has right. a weird way of talking and stuff like that. I'll never forget when I was first dating my wife, we we're walking around my town I live in now. Walking around, he's like, hey, man. I was like, what's up? I've never seen this person before in my life. He's like, you got any pot? And I'm just like, <laughs> that's fucking great. I was like, no. He's like, oh, it looks like you were, like you would. Like you were carrying. He's like, you look like you would sell me drugs. I was like, oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. I would do a family reunion one time. This guy I never met before, a cousin of mine. He was just like, bro, are you holding? And I looked at him like, onto deep-seated emotions? Of course. I'm Irish. <laughs> and he's like, no. He's like, do you burn, bro? And I was like, burn bridges at all times through my loud mouth and obnoxious attitude? I said, like, yes, of course. I'm Irish. And he's like, no, dude, do you have weed on you? I'm like, no, I don't. Didn't you just tell me you got out of rehab? Fuck off. <laughs> like, like, family reunions, people. See, maybe it's just because I know you, but, like, you're square i'm two out of three x's okay yeah no i don't smoke and i don't do drugs i'm but it's also like i'm totally cool with like legalization totally been around people smoking it like i, I don't give a shit right, it's you a know? personal choice yeah no it's just the smoking part i just can't do because of my dad like i just don't smoke right like like i do cbd oil that's cool i know it doesn't have thc in it i'm not a dumb dumb like if I know you wouldn't say that, but for anyone thinking it, you know, so it's like, I, 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 I'm down with it. I'm cool with it. Like, but like just the way I am, everyone is stunned. They're stunned when I tell them I've never like touched it before. They're always like, bro, look at you. And I was like, yes, I have seen myself in a mirror. I know what's happening right here. I'm currently wearing a drug rug and flip flops and listening to Humphreys McGee, but like, you know, no. <laughs> what's a drug rug? Oh, it's, it's also called a Baja sweater. You'll see them a lot. Oh, I know what those are. Yeah, dude. And there's uh, like, now like uh, Lucky Jeans and shit like sells them. And I have one. My daughter has one. You know, do you think my daughter's holding? She was. <laughs> she's, she's not selling it to me. Yeah, but, really. You know. She's holding out. That's yeah. what they call those things. Well, yeah, they call Baja sweaters. But you'll see them like at the boardwalks and stuff. They, they're, they're, like, they're like hoodies that are like knitted. You know, yeah, I just put drug like, rug into Google. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Google drug rug, Baja sweater. They're super comfy. So. Bill, you taught me some slang today. Bro. This is what I'm here for. Look at you being cool. I know. Well, you I mean you formally defined what a zaddy was for me. Yes, that is true. We're trading. It's like a cultural exchange. Yeah. We're, we're totally culturally exchanging so many things. <laughs> hey, else? listen. The only time I like John Mayer is when he's in Dead & Company. So. <laughs> Let's not even go into that. Listen, I don't want to run for the halls of my high school. <laughs> I'd rather slice off my nuts with a Megadeth record. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait, so when 
this person asked you if you were carrying pot, what did your future wife say? She laughed. <laughs> oh, because also I was wearing like a puka shell necklace, like Joker, and like was wearing flip flops and probably a tie dye t shirt. Dude. Yeah, I fit the role. I, fit... I mean, yeah, you looked the part. I always looked the part. I sound the part, man. You know? <laughs> Bro. Like, I, so I always fuck with people I work with. I'm just like, they're always talking about stuff. So I was like, man, sometimes you just got to like open your third eye and like just go into the ether. Cause I used to hang around with a lot of people who were really into like DMT and MDMA and like ayahuasca and all that fucking transcendental stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, like the one dude I hung was like, he's like a, basically a wizard living in Brooklyn. And it's just like, yeah, it's like, so I know all that stuff. I can, you know, you want to talk about like sacred geometry and higher planes of consciousness. I don't know what any of the shit means, but I can talk. <laughs> to, I can talk to convincing game if you need me to. That's amazing. So out of everybody that I've interviewed for this show so far, you are sort of like the most white <laughs> you're up there no, i'm kidding uh, i'm really i'm really pale so you are you are very white but my also, daughter's translucent is she really well i mean if you've met, you met my wife I yes mean, y'all y'all are some white white people it's like swedish irish welsh and german jesus it gets no whiter no <laughs> but you're like the most like stereotypically normal i guess like Married, in a monogamous relationship, one kid, house in the burbs. We li- I technically live in the city, but okay. Whatever. You know what I mean. It, it's a city, man. <laughs> you know what I mean. But like, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess I'm normal, yeah. I mean, I, I normal appearing. Sure. Like, I know you. I, I, I don't think <laughs> you're particularly normal. Nope. Yeah, but uh, like, if you just if you saw a snapshot of just me and my family and like where I lived, if you looked at the 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 cover letter of my life, you would probably say, "Wow, it's a pretty normal guy." Right. Yeah, because you're just like uh, you know middle class white dude again, married, heterosexual, married, kid, house, like that kind of thing. Dog. Like, yeah. Like, is that what you wanted? Like, when when you were Grown yeah. up. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I guess I was open to anything, really. But I guess, like, ultimately, there was never a goal of, like, okay, I have to live in a certain place, and I have to be married at a certain time, and I have to do this, I have to do this. I just wanted to be happy. And if all those things fell into place, that's cool. My parents, you know, your parents are like, oh, my parents were like, oh, you know, get married. have get. But my dad was also like, like, I remember being like 20 and my dad's like, what are you giving me grandkids? And I'm just like, well, my dad was, he said things, man. You know. <laughs> so I said to him, I'm like, you know, I can't even get a date, man. <laughs> like, how do you expect me to like not get laid anytime soon? Which is great to say when your mom's in the room and you're 20. <laughs> so it's like, but my dad, he found it funny. It was like, you know, those were things I wanted eventually but like you know eventually it all had to fall into place it all had to happen at the right time my parents didn't meet until they were in their I, they didn't get married till they're my age i'm 38 you know so it was like uh, if it happened that's awesome and i would have you know i was hoping maybe i don't know it, it was never like oh shit i need to do this there was never uh you a never drive felt to... like pressure or anything like that or uh, a compulsion uh, to 
No, it's just like with my I met my wife and it just felt right. We want, but like we both wanted a kid. Like that was a thing. That was a conscious thing. We both wanted one. And like to be honest, until I got married, I was never thought of myself as like, oh yeah, I definitely want to be a dad. Everyone told me like, oh you'd be an awesome dad. I'm like, uh, okay. And then, you know, when I got married, I was like, yeah, that you know that's a cool idea. <laughs> like you know, it wasn't like. Oh, but like, did I stress and worry like, oh my God, in my own head, am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to be a piece of shit? Like, of course, that's literally every father is like that. Anyone I've ever talked to who has a kid on the way, who cares is less like in their own head nervous because you, you've never been here before. Well, you're putting, there's a life in your hands. Yeah. As I getting married now, I'm just going to sound like a dick when I say this, but getting married now is a lot easier than it was 30 or 40 years ago because most of us live with our partners before we get married. Like, so when I lived together for six months, we saw each other all the time. It wasn't like back in the day. There was no courting, you know, (laughs) didn't see it once a week and had to, you know, pay a dowry or shit. It's just like, you know, so when I saw each other like five, six times a week and like she would sleep over in my apartment. I think my mom's not listening to this podcast. And and then we lived together in an apartment for, uh, I knew it was almost a year before I got married. And I convinced my parents because it was financially responsible. And and so it was a little easier because I remember like back in the day, it was like, okay, you lived there at home or you had your own place and then you moved in and now yeah. it's the first time living together. So, whoa, big adjustment. Now it's just like, we've gotten through that. And now the kid is the hard part. And I was a stay-at-home dad for six months too, man. That's frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and overwhelming when you're also trying to find a job. I bet. Yeah, and trying to raise a kid, not fuck him up. And But, yeah, it's just like something that just kind of, for me, just kind of fell into place. We, we took us a long time to have a kid. We had to go through IVF and all that stuff, a lot of trying. So that kid was definitely wanted, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I went to it's this fucking house, man. Almost fell through like four times, spent two years hunting, you know. It's not something that was like on a schedule, but it was something like, yeah, that'd be cool. And it, it just fell into place. So it was a combination. It was more of a conscious decision than a not conscious decision, but it wasn't like something you planned out from being a kid. It was something where you got into the right situation. You were like, okay, I see what this future looks like and I'm going to work towards that. Well, it, I, I don't I don't know if it was conscious. It just like, for me, it was just like, it always felt like <clears throat> when I met my wife and like, just, I just knew it was just like, you know, people were like, Oh, I remember I was on, I was on match.com. That's where I met my wife. And <laughs> oh. like, Oh yeah. And then I remember some woman I was chatting with through AOL Insta messenger dating myself. Wow. Yeah. For real. 13, 14 years ago. And None it was the like, kids that are on potbreak.com are going to even know what that is yeah no they didn't don't probably not and uh, so it was just like you know someone was saying to me it was like oh you're just wife hunting that's what you're doing you're searching for a wife and i'm just like no i'm searching just to go out and meet people maybe if that happens it happens it was just like for me it was always like hey man if it happens it happens be cool if it did but like i wasn't gunning for anything i wasn't gunning for the normal life i was just on the road to finding happiness and that's what i wanted and I'm very lucky that I found a amazing wife who is like super supportive and, uh, you know, she's a lawyer. So got a sugar mom out of that. <laughs> if any dude out there is like, feels uncomfortable that their wife or partner makes more money than them, grow the fuck up. Yeah, for real. 
because especially if a joint bank account, because you can use that shit whenever. No, <laughs> it's like, um, how do you think I get those fucking wrestling tickets? Oh, um, no, it's not the point. I make my own money, but it's just like, it's just like, oh, you, you like, someone said that to me. It's like, oh, you know, she's going to make more than you. Are you okay with that? I'm like, she's an attorney. She better make more than me. If she doesn't, she sucks. <laughs> like, it's just what? like, it's like, come on. It's like, and it, you're, I'm so proud of my wife for doing as well as she did. But it's like, this isn't 1950. Like, Dude, and I will tell you, there are people who are still in that mindset. Oh, I know. It's just like, and it's fucking ridiculous. And but yeah, man, it's just like I, I lucked out in every department that I, like, my kid is, like, in my opinion, is an awesome, sweet, wonderful kid who drives me up a wall sometimes. But that's what kids do. Because I do sure that. shit dude, did that to my parents. <laughs> and, like, you know, I, ha- I, I lucked out finding this house after three previous houses fell through. It's like that we found this house in the town my wife grew up in just all sort of happened man and like it all unfolded and yeah there was frustration along the way but it was never like i'm not one of those people in this part of my life where i'm just like it needs to fucking happen you know what i mean because when things need to happen that's when you make mistakes that's when you force stuff to happen yeah and i've seen way i saw way too i've seen way too many people because it was time to check a box to get married to have kids and you're like what are you doing dude <laughs> like this and boom didn't want and doesn't last yeah it doesn't work i i my experience and and the things that i have, have have observed in my life have sort of taught me that when you do something because you think you're supposed to do it as opposed to when doing it because you want to do it that's when things fuck up yeah it's and it's just like let it happen naturally and when things happen naturally it's the best yeah and if they don't happen then that's fine too Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, totally. I, it's and that's, that's so yeah. It's the normal life was something that like I, I don't know. It's kind of like a lot of my life. I just kind of lucked into. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, man. So in in light of everything, I think it's important. You know, I, I'm never the type of person who is like. <sighs> I remember I, I was talking to somebody a long time ago about just sort of the of being depressed and kind of all that stuff. And that person was just like, you know what, get over it. And I've never been a get over it type of person because I don't think yeah. that life is something that you just get over. I don't think trauma or I don't think the problems in your life are, are things that you just kind of get over. You don't just kind of snap into happiness, but I think having perspective is great. Yeah. And yeah, it's like some things you can get over. Like I didn't get this job. If you're going to, you're going to harp on it for like, Six months, get over it, man. Right. You, well, you or like six years. Or, or like, no, even like, I think like there's certain things like, it, like you said, there's perspective. Okay. Like you're dating someone for two months, didn't work out. You're eight months later, you're still harping on a person. It's like, listen, you got to get over it because, and get over it in the way of pulling yourself out. Of, and this is something I've done before. It's like, pull yourself out of the situation. Look at it objectively. Or in a vacuum. Was this meant to be? X, Y, Z. Like, go through these... Like, literally, critically think about this thing. Sure. And if you could still say, no, this meant a lot to me, hey, man, you you don't have to get over it. But if you don't take those steps to actually critically think about something, and you're just holding on to something, you might hold on it for too long and hurt yourself. Yeah, oh, I agree 100%. You know, it's just like, okay, this didn't work out, you know? And like... Hey man, I ha- I've had jobs like I was gonna. I've told you this. Like I was gonna start a radio station at Asbury Park, and it was gonna be the shit. 
and uh, it all fell apart. And that's my great, one of my great critical professional like regrets or like failings, you know what I mean? It wasn't anything I had to do, but yeah, man, it was, it would sucked. And then like, but I held on to her for a while and I was just like, yeah, there's, yeah, man, you did all you could do. There's nothing you could have done to make that happen. Like you sold clients without even a logo. Like I did. And they were big ones, but it just didn't happen because someone made a decision and it was totally out of your hands. And yeah, right, just yeah. I think from, knowing like, when something like, is out of your hands is super important. But when it's, but when it, when it is a trauma, when it is just something inside of you that you just like an oppression that you just can't shake, you're like, can't get over it. You got to fight, you got to fight and work to, 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 to heal yourself, but it's not a get over it thing. Right. Right. It's not That's something not, that you just snap out of. No. Although sometimes like hearing perspective from other people and this is why I found the therapy it was like when I heard it was just like and the the reason I was depressed and one of my therapists was like, Yeah, you these people you you've worked for and work for currently work for, like that you're letting them have a control over you and making you feel miserable because they're treating you like shit. And I was like, Oh man, fuck. I didn't think of that. So there's a, there's a difference you get over in a and someone in like which therapy I think is great is like giving you that aha moment that you wouldn't have got to on your own. Yeah, that's and that's the great thing about therapy. The great thing about having people that care about you, they'll be able to offer perspectives. And I think in this case, a therapist is more helpful than a, a friend or family member because a therapist is impartial. They yeah, can look definitely. at a situation objectively. And give you real facts about how you handle the situation and how you could handle it differently. And then you'll be like, okay, this person isn't coming from a place of emotion or of investment in me. This shit makes sense. Yeah, it's just like, because like, if you come out and tell me like, I'm not saying you would say this, like, say like a person X is like, oh my, you know, this person was, I was in this relationship, this person's an asshole. And you're, and you're normally like, yeah, you're right. That, yeah. Person, that person did treat you like shit. And, but it's hard to, not see but you don't know the other side of the story you don't know everything about everything because with a therapist you you don't want you can be a little more open because it's just like maybe you're the bad guy in the story too right and you can open up to a therapist as opposed to like your friend because you don't want them to see that bad side of you not saying i'm a bad guy to do anything wrong myself never but yeah so it's no but i'm just saying like my thing was like, oh yeah, people know my bosses, and they're like, oh yeah, those guys suck, or like, I, or people I've worked for, oh they suck, and like, because people know them, but it's just like, this person who doesn't know me is just like, hey, you're allowing this to happen. Yes, they are. Yes, they do suck, but you're allowing this to happen. Right. You have some power in the situation. Yeah, and you're letting them take it from you, so take it back. Yeah. You know, Chuck D said it: take the power back. Take the power back. Goddamn right. <laughs> That feels like a good place that we can close on a Chuck D quote. Goddamn right, man. <laughs> did you like Prophets of Rage, by the way? I did not, because I, I don't like Rage Well, so here's the deal. I like Rage Against the Machine. To a point. But I don't like Zach De La Roca. Mm. So I really liked Audio Slave. Yeah, they were good. Because Chris Cornell is fucking amazing. Oh, and. Goodness. Just like the whole Rage Against the Machine with rap vocals is kind of not my thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Prophets of Rage didn't really do it for me. Yeah, they didn't do it for anyone else either. So yeah, exactly. Book. Exactly. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, man. So, 
Cool, man. Well, we can close this up. Yeah, this, like I said, this is... Yeah, go plug your shit. Well, hey, Mike, thanks for having me on, man. As you're allowing me to plug my stuff, um, <laughs> you could check uh, check out thepopbreak.com, which is, yes, named after the movie Point Break. And, I always uh, forget that. What's that? I always forget that. Yeah, and I told Keanu Reeves that in person. What? Oh, yeah, so quick story. So this is this is a definite build in my podcast now. I was at a screening of a movie in New York City, not far from Times Square. This was in 2010, I want to say. Yeah. And it was a movie called I Melt With You, or Melt With You, or I Melt With You, and it was like Jeremy Piven and Thomas Jane. It was like just a mess of a movie. And I'm coming out of this building, and I see this, this dude walking out with a duffel, and I'm looking at him like, fuck, I think that's Keanu Reeves. So I said, um, I was like, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. And I said like two, three times, didn't turn around. And I just put a little volume in my, and a little bass in my voice. I was like, hey, dude. He turns around and it is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and gray in his hair, just just hanging out. He was like, hey, how you doing? And I was just like, I, I was like, listen, man. Just, and I am legitimately a fan of his work. So and I was telling him and I said, I named, I have the site called The Pop Break. I named it after Point Break. And he looked at me, he just goes, awesome. And I was just like, I, and in my instant, I'm like, oh, he said it. He says it like, <laughs> he says it like in Bill Tiss. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was just such a sweetheart of a guy. And then all these people started coming around. He looked at me, he's like, I really have to go. And I was just like, oh no, t- dude, totally. And I like shook his hand and he's like, hey, good meeting you. And he just walked off and I was like, Keanu Reeves, man. <laughs> so, yeah, the point, thepopbreak.com. So, in, I'm on Twitter at Bodkin Writes, uh, which is basically just me retweeting my stories from thepopbreak.com, as well as just talking about wrestling. And uh, follow Pop Break on Twitter or at popbreak.com, all spelled out. One day I want to talk to you about this wrestling thing. I just, have I told you my theory on, on professional wrestling? Oh, boy. Nope. So... My And it's not even a theory so much as it is kind of like confusion because professional wrestling is nearly naked dudes. And women. Mostly dudes. A lot more women these days. Okay. Just kind of like simulating, you know. Beating the crap out of each other. But it's very homoerotic. Okay. Yeah, sure. And sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just very homo. Well, yeah, I'm just like, whenever I speak to straight dudes who like wrestling, I'm just kind of like, you do realize that this is very homoerotic. Absolutely. Of course I do. Yeah. And and I like, but it's also, there are certain, now in today's wrestling culture, there's a lot more openly uh, queer wrestlers. Sure. And who don't play for comedy. And who it's so funny because like 20 years ago, they would have been booed out of the building and derided. And now they're the biggest baby, like good guys going, good gals going, right. like fan favorites. Everyone loves them. So it's funny. And it's like wrestling is this weird art. For, like I'm a fourth generation wrestling fan. I go for my great grandmother, my grandmother, my dad, me. And Sophie's sort of getting into it. And it's like, but she only watches girls because boys is wrestling is nerdy nonsense so yeah it's like this weird hybrid of sport theater comedy just like absurdist film you know it's it's very unusual and uh, yeah it's just something i've always liked I've, I've grown up with since i was a kid and yes i am very well aware and hey man this is coming from a guy who did theater in old boys catholic high school so 
Yes, I know how it can get. Oh, wow. Yeah, All buddy. Right. I see. I don't think I knew that either. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, man. Tights, makeup, the whole, the whole nine, brother. I didn't know that you acted. Yeah, I acted, sang, did musicals, the whole, the whole nine, brother. All of this is coming out at the end of the podcast? I mean, I mean, you could edit this in wherever you want. <laughs> you literally, literally have editing software. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could dive into a whole thing about that if you wanted to. Wow, this I, we might have to do a part two. Sure, I mean, yeah, I, we were, we were. It was so funny because we were the guys who were, we were the, and I, I apologize for using the term. We were the, we were the gay kids. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I but, feel like in any school that's not like a theater school. Yeah. Yeah, and then I remember the swim team used to make fun of me. Really? Oh, you're gay. And I said, you go to an old boys Catholic high school, you shave your entire body and wear a Speedo. We have girls coming in <laughs> who are attractive. I said, really? You're going you're gonna to make fun of me. I yeah, said, that's, that's, that's weird. I'm like, okay, that's cool, man. <laughs> that is bizarre. It is bizarre, man. But, you know, those were good times. I love doing theater. I mean, I wouldn't do it now, but, you know. Uh, time. Right. There's a lot of commitment. And I'm just like, no thanks. Alright. And it's also a lot of drama. Like, literal. Yes. And I, I ain't got time for that. Not stage drama. Actual drama. Oh, yeah. The backstage of the high school plays were just like, oh, God. I thought <laughs> love was a battlefield. Holy oh, shit. Oh, God. Pat Benatar ain't got nothing on all oh, boys Catholic high school theater God. companies. Oh, boy. You better keep that shit in the podcast. That's solid gold. Solid gold indeed. One of many reasons I love Bill is because almost all of his stories are grade-A quality. He should honestly be a stand-up comedian. As it stands, you can find Bill at the site he founded, popbreak.com. It's pop-break.com. You can also find him on Twitter at bodkinwrites, that is B-O-D-K-I-N-W-R-I-T-E-S. And as a reminder, you can find me on Twitter at tismikejoseph, T-I-S, Mike Joseph, and on Instagram at itsmikejoseph. ITS, Mike Joseph. Sign up for the Detox Pod newsletter at tinyurl.com slash detoxpod. And if you would like to leave feedback on the show or suggest a guest, you can email me at detoxpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and leave a rating and or comment too. As I release this episode, I want to remind my American listeners to go out and vote on November 3rd. I am pretty vocal about my politics as a general rule, and specifically on this show, at, as it is a no-hate zone. So make sure you're filling in that box for progress and change, which in this case means voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. In closing, I want to thank this episode's guest and all of my guests for appearing on their show, appearing on this show, by the way, <laughs> and giving their time, their trust, and honesty to me. The Detoxicity Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Mike Joseph. I give special thanks to Calvin Williams for composing the intro and outro music, to Jacob Block for designing the show's logo, and to Jeff Giles, Andrew Grossman, and Jason Hare for the inspiration. I wish all of you listening ongoing health and safety. Once again, I'm Mike Joseph. Catch y'all next week. Peace. <laughs>